why don't you get out your Bible? You're going to go with me over to the book of Matthew. We're going to look at this next installment of what we've called countercultural. And what we're learning together, everybody, is that, hey, you guys are different. Tell your neighbor, tell them, say, you're different. Tell them, something different about you. Tell them, you're different. You're different. And I know that sounds like it's not a good thing, but I'm telling you, it's a good thing. When you're a believer, when you've given your life to Jesus, you no longer are part of the kingdom of the world. You're part of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, within the kingdom of God, within the, within the framework of the kingdom of God, I mean, your life is just different. You treat your relationships different. You treat your life different. Your, your marriage different. Your money different. Like, you're just different. What Jesus is doing in the Beatitudes is it's the beginning of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. In the Beatitudes, he's introducing us to this kingdom. He's inaugurating the kingdom, and he's telling you, here's what it looks like to live within the walls of the kingdom. So he's giving us these values that you and I are to live our lives by. Values that our world needs now more than ever, everybody. You know what our world needs right now? It needs to, it needs to be brought back to biblical values brought back to, to biblical principle. And we often pray for revival and we want to see the world change, but do you know what God wants to do? Is he wants to call me back to biblical value and me back to principle. God wants to bring the church back to the values that he's intended for us to live our life within. And as we move back to what he's called us to live in, God will start changing the world around us when the church starts to live out everything he's put in front of us. Does that make sense, everybody? And so we've just been moving back to these principles. I mean, last week we talked about blessed are the, the merciful, mercy, mercy, right? Like we live in a merciless society, but in the midst of the merciless society, we don't correct it by also being merciless. We correct it by being merciful, right? We're going we're gonna to not give people what it is we think they deserve. Well, today is another one, friends, but this one... This one has the potential, I'm telling you, to absolutely change everything for you. And so what I want to ask you to do is to lean in and let God speak to your heart right now in a profound way. Because you're not sitting here on accident. You're not listening online on accident. God has put you in this moment because he has something he wants to say to you that's going to change you, mold you shape you. I'm telling you, you can leave this moment different than you came into this moment if you just open up your heart to what God's about to whisper into it as we look at this next beatitude together. Would you pray with me? God, we do want to do just that right now. We want to open up our heart to you and ask that you would speak to us. God, we pray that we would be leaning in right now. But we want to posture ourselves in a way where we're expectant. God, you're going to say something to us right now. And God, I just pray that as you do, that it, this moment would be seasoned with a lot of grace, Lord, and a lot of mercy. And, and God, you would just help us move forward together, Lord God. And so, Lord, we pray, help the preacher out. But God, help us out. We want to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty, amen and amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus gives us this next beatitude that I'm telling you has the potential to change everything for you. He says this, Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Jesus here says, everybody, we need to do a little heart check. Jesus says that the heart of the matter is actually a matter of the heart. He says, I want to talk to you today about your, about your heart. And when, when Jesus says that we're to be pure in heart, what he's doing is he's actually bringing you and I to the foundation of, of who we are. You know, the, the ministry of Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus, he often talked about this thing called, called the heart. Let me, let me show it to you in another place. Over in Matthew chapter 23, verses 25 through 27, Jesus says this. Watch, see if you can catch it here. Here's what we're dealing with today. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now, when Jesus says this, everyone listening nearby is gasping because it's the teachers of the law and the Pharisees that are, they're the goody-goodies. You know what I mean? They got it all together. They, they do everything perfectly. They, they pray out loud so people can hear them and be, be in awe of, you know, how they've got everything figured out. And here's Jesus calling them out. He says, woe to you teachers in, of the law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the dish. Someone say outside. But inside, someone say inside. But inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees. Watch what he says. First clean the inside of the dish and then the outside will be clean as well. Jesus here in this moment is dividing you and I. He helps us to understand that we are divided into two parts. We got the outside. Someone say outside. And we got the inside. Someone say inside. The outer man is the perception of, of who you are, while the inner man is the reality of who you are. The outer man is the image that you want people to see. It's what you want people to know. The inner man is the reality of what actually is. It's your character. It's, it's your It's you're not pretending to be something. It, it's, your, it's your truth. And all of us today walk around with an outer man and, and an inner man. Jesus is talking to these hypocrites, these Pharisees. You see, these, these Pharisees who are, who are putting on a really good show, right? They're, they're really good at putting up a front and, and making a, their outward man look really, really good. But you know what? I think there's a lot of us that will join them today. There's a lot of us doing the very same thing today. There's a lot of us right now who, who are putting on a really good show, putting on a really good front, making our outward man look really, really good. But the outside of us actually is very different than what's happening inside of us. It's the show. Do you know there's a word for the show? It's called hypocrisy. Do you know hypocrisy, the word the word uh, comes to us from the Greeks, and it was used for stage players, our, our actors, actors and actresses. And what they would do in that day in the Greek culture is that they would come out behind these large masks. If you've ever seen any of the depictions of old Greek culture, these massive masks. And they would hide behind the masks, showing you one thing, pretending to be one thing when they actually were another thing. And so the word comes to us, hypocrisy, meaning stage acting, pretending. It's not real. What you see is not the reality of what actually is, you see. 
And you know, it's funny, we, we, you hear people say things like, you know, well, you invite them to church, like, well, I don't go to church, it's, fill, it's, it's filled with a bunch of, what, a bunch of hypocrites, just a bunch of hypocrites at church. And that's our reason not to go to church. And you come back with something smart, like, you know, well, join them, you'll fit right in, or whatever, you know, your thing, and kind of ha, 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 and you, 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 you move on. But, but I think maybe instead of snapping back, we should actually step back and take an honest look. The reality is there's a lot of hypocrisy in church. That was going to be a good message today, huh? You glad you came to church, right? I mean, there's just a lot of, come on, you guys, there's a lot of pretending. There's a lot of, I'm going to show you something other than what is, what is real. And we, we find ourselves given to hypocrisy. But can we just be honest real quick? It's just easier sometimes. It's just easier to wear a mask and pretend that everything is okay when it's not okay. It's, it's, it's easier just to pretend that you've got it all together when you know the reality is that you don't have it all together. It's easier to, instead of admitting what's really going on inside of me, instead of really facing it and dealing with all the stuff, instead of being real, it's just easy to come over here and carve a mask, hold it up, and just hide behind it. It's just way easier and so here's what happens is you end up spending all this time fashioning these masks that we, we wear around, um, trying to make everything look good outwardly while inside we're, we're, we're a mess. I'm telling you, friends, Jesus came to do more than just let you, you know, continue to hide behind masks. He, he came to do more than you just pretending to be okay. He came to actually make you okay. He, he came to actually heal you and restore you. And he, he came so that you can have this thing called purity. That what you see is, is actually what you get. That, that there's some reality happening inside your heart. You with me so far? But it's just so much easier sometimes. Just to ignore the mess. And so we tell ourselves things like this. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. As, as long as I keep pretending. As long as everyone thinks oh, I'm okay. You know, I'll just keep playing the game. And, and, and you think your life is all just about pretending to be Okay, and so you, you tell yourself, you, you, you've got some real issues of insecurity, but, but instead of facing it and dealing with it, you just make a mask. You, you've got real issues of sin in your life, but instead of being free from the sin and restored from it and washed and cleansed and moved forward from the issues inside, you pretend that you actually don't have issues inside. You make a mask and just try to hide it, not just from people around you, but maybe God won't even see this area of my life. And we just go on pretending, but yet there's this blaring issue, a struggle, a, a temptation that you continue to give yourself to, a place in your life where you continue to fall, thoughts you're having that you shouldn't be having, um, things that you are, are feeding inside of you that you should have killed a long time ago. But instead of actually dealing with it, come on everybody, we just, we hold up these masks to others and, and to God and just go, we're okay God, nothing to see here God. We're going to be all right. And Jesus says, no, no, there's a blessing for those who are pure in heart, for they're going to see God. And I can't wait for you to understand what this means. See, some of you are carrying massive amounts of guilt and shame. But instead of being real and letting God restore you and free you, you fashion a mask and you hide behind it. You, you def desperately want to be accepted, and so you fashion a mask. And here's what 
our world's become very good at. Here's what the next generation is continuing to struggle with. They'll pretend to be whatever they need to be in order to be what everyone wants them to be. What do you want me to be? I can pretend to be that. What do you want me to, what am I supposed to look like on Instagram? I, I can do that. I, I can do that. But the problem is what you're showing the world is not the reality of what's going on inside your world. There's a disconnect, a massive disconnect. And it, and in it we never experience restoration, we never experience healing, we never experience life because there's just a massive disconnect. God didn't come just to help you spit polish your outer veneer. He came to change your heart. He came to change your life. Like he wants to get a hold of like you, the, the real, the real you. He wants to go there. And so we have a society right now that's really good at this. We're really good at, at, at fixing the, this outer man. I mean, we know how to crop. We know how to edit. We know how to drop the music behind it, put the filter over it, make it look so good, right? We take a picture of our kids, and we, before we go and post the picture of the kids, we got to make sure that the wife sees it so that she can help you edit it or you can edit it. And, and what you'll find is, like, you take a picture of your kid, the kid looks so cute, but... But everything else in that, like somebody has not cleaned the house, everybody. It's, there's stuff everywhere. And what we've become really good at is going, I'm not going to let you see that. And I'm not going to let you see that. I'm going to let you just see that it's just my cute, my, my baby angel who just destroyed everything in the house. But we're not going to let you see that. It's just a baby angel right here. This is my child. And we, we become really good at that. So the problem is this Instagrammable uh, filtered life has, has become not just something we do on Instagram, it's something we do in every place of our life. And so we walk around pretending all the time. And I think it's messing with our next generation. Because we're, we're working hard on this, but the character's not actually being developed. True, genuine relationships are not actually being developed. It's all just, hey girl, what's up, blah, 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 surface, surface. And, and because we created these surface lives, where God wants to bring some depth to you, some, some, some genuine relationship to you. But, I mean, that's hard because you gotta, you actually got to break some masks in order to go there, right? we got to stop pretending in order to go there. i got to stop pretending with others, and i got to stop pretending with God. And so here's my question. Listen, I, I wonder where you've fashioned a mask in your life today. We've all done it. I've done it. Places where... Instead of dealing with the actual issue, even right now as I am talking, you, you kind of, you hear it. You know what the pastor's talking about, right? You know that place, right? And you hear it. Here's what I want to ask you to do. However painful this might be, I'm telling you, if you could just push through these moments, at the end of this, there's healing. Let God actually deal with that thing that you keep not wanting to talk about. So you can come to this place where you experience purity of heart, that you might see God. So where have you fashioned a mask today? You're going to tell yourself that the mask is, is protecting you. But friends, I'm telling you, it's wearing on you. And it's destroying you. There's no freedom behind a mask. There's only pretending behind masks. There's no joy behind masks. It's just restraint behind masks. And God actually wants to set you free. Jesus calls us out of pretending and into purity that starts in the heart. To stop hiding behind masks. He calls us to face the reality of what's going on in what we call our personal lives. Well, that's my personal life. God wants to deal with the inner man. Your heart. 
Someone say heart. Heart. Your heart. Why is that so important? I need you to understand why the heart is so important and, and dealing with the issues of the heart is important. First thing I need you to write down is this, is that the heart actually directs your life, okay? What you have in your heart will eventually come out of you in your life. Did you hear me write that down? What you have in your heart will actually come out in your life. Here's a Bible verse for you, Proverbs 4.23. It says this, keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it, what, your heart, spring the issues of life. So all the issues in your life, come on, look at me, all the issues, where'd that come from? And what, what's happening over here? Why, why, how did I, why did I respond like that? And what's, all the issues of life actually spring from this thing called your heart. The, the inner man, the inner you, it all st- comes from there, it all starts there. So, so think about like, think about it this way. Where does a lifestyle of, of, of sin begin? Where does... You know, no one just wakes up one day. Let's just talk real. You don't just wake up one day addicted. You, you don't just wake up one day in an, in an affair. This is hard to talk about. You just need to understand it. How does that happen? I tell you how it happens. It starts with a thought. And if you don't deal with the thought, the thought eventually turns into an action. So you have pressure in, in life. You have, you have pressure all around. You think, I can't handle the pressure. What I need to deal with the pressure is to medicate the pressure. If I would just medicate the pressure, then, then I wouldn't have to deal with the pressure. And you're having these thoughts. You're having these thoughts. No action yet, just a thought. But then you actually eventually give into the thought. Now it becomes an action. And so now you have medicated. Instead of letting God heal you, you're trying to medicate yourself. And so a thought turns into action. What happens is that action turns, turns into, into more actions that become habits. And those habits become a lifestyle. And now you find yourself in a place of, of, of addiction. Why? Because I could take it all the back. I always can. Always to a thought. I, I do a lot of, I, one of my favorite things to do is, 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 is helping people walk through really difficult things in, in marriage. And when you sit with a couple who, where one has been unfaithful to the other, the the heart of it always is, I just want to, I'm always telling them, your, your future is better together. If we get you guys, to, in that moment, I'm just going to try to push them toward one another. But if you walk back a, a, a man maybe who has committed adultery, you walk them back to where it all started. I tell you where it started. Something in the marriage wasn't quite up to what they feel like things need to be. And all of a sudden, somebody at work, online, whatever, flirted. And now there was a thought. I wonder what life would be like. And what happens is the enemy meets you at the place of that thought. And he, he, wants to, he wants to constantly bring back that thought. Because he knows that if he can get you to continue to, come on, to think those thoughts, then eventually the thoughts will turn into an action. And not a big action, it's just like, oh, just a, just a lunch, or just a this, or just some flirty verbiage, or just some whatever. Come on, you follow me. I'm just trying to get real with you so I can protect you, so God's word can protect you from what lies ahead if you don't deal with the thoughts. Thoughts turn into actions. Actions turn into habit. Habit turns into lifestyle. And friends, God actually wants to heal you today. He wants to bring you purity of heart. And you need to understand it's so important because the heart directs our life, not just bad things. The, the heart, your thoughts will actually direct you, and it could direct you into good things. You look at all the incredible things God has done, or God, things that have happened in our world. You know all the things that we're looking at today, and we get to the iPhone. Oh my goodness, thank you, God, for the iPhone. Some of you with Android in here, God forgive you of your sins. 
But like, I just want to make a point. Like, all this, where does it start? Somebody, it's a thought somewhere. So you don't walk in your room. There's an iPhone. And it started with a thought, right? And the thought, what if? What, a dreaming, right? You go and you look at the Empire State Building and what we're doing with, with skyscrapers. Where does it start? It starts with somebody having, having a thought. Like, I wonder if, right? And those thoughts can lead to great things. It all starts with dreams and thoughts. The church that we get to enjoy all started as just, a, it was a seed. It was just a, it was just a thought. What if? What if? What if we would live with an audacious faith? And what if we would throw our arms around the people that, that maybe other churches have, have rejected, that, but Jesus wants to bring in? What if, what would it look like if we just walked forward as a family? Again? What started as a thought, you see? And God began to put water on those thoughts. Those thoughts turned to action. And we all get to just live in the aftermath of, of, of thoughts. And so you need to guard your heart. Because out of it, everything in life is going to come from this thing. And you're kidding yourself if you think you can continue to nurture thoughts in your life without them eventually becoming actions in your life. It'll happen. And so you have to be, be very careful to guard your heart because, and have purity of heart because it directs everything in your life. The heart also, here's the other reason we need to have purity in our heart. You know, it's the heart that God sees. Like right now when God looks down, he doesn't see the, the outer veneer that we put out. The, the very, sometimes very thin, you know, picture that we're showing everybody else. What does God see? God sees, God sees your heart. Some of you are like, oh, no. Right? The amazing thing is God sees it all. He knows it all. And he still loves you more than you could ever imagine. Amen? Come on, amen? Like, he's not scared by it. He sees it. And he's actually in love with not the pretend version of you. He's in love with the you, you. Like, like the you no one else knows about you. God says, that's who I love. That's who I want to redeem. That's who I want to heal. So the heart directs everything in our life, but the heart is also what God sees. Um, there's a story told of, of Samuel going to find the next king. And God sends Samuel to Jesse's house. And Samuel shows him and says, Jesse, there's a king in your home. God told me there's a king in your home. And so Jesse starts bringing out all of his sons. And these guys are good looking. Like they are king looking, right? And God whispers to Samuel in the midst of this process. He's about ready to anoint a, a king because he just, one of the sons, because he just, I mean, gosh, he's tall, dark, handsome. He's got it all together. I've always been jealous of you, tall, dark, and handsome type. And, and God stops Samuel in his strike. He says, hold up, hold up, Samuel. And I watch what God says to him. He says in 1 Samuel 16, 6 to 12, don't look at the outward appearance, he says. Don't look at the outward appearance or at his physical stature because I've actually refused him. It goes on to say, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks after the what? Heart. God sees the what? Heart. And what does he want in this heart that he sees? He wants purity of heart. Sincerity of heart. He wants there to be truth in your heart. That word sincerity, it comes from, it literally means, it means without wax, is what sincerity of heart means, sincerity. And, and what it comes, it comes to us from an ancient custom when they were making uh, vases and they were, and the, 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 they would create like a, a pod or whatever that they're going to sell down in the marketplace. 
And they would create this whole thing. They put it in the fire. They would blaze it. They'd get it out. And now on the way out, they actually bump it over or something. They, they knock it and it cracks. And now it's got a crack running through it. And maybe a piece of it broke off. Well, what they would do is instead of going through all that work of starting all over again and making a new one, what they would do is they would take some wax and they would, they would drip it on the, on, the, on the seam of the crack and they would take the other piece and kind of use it like glue and they would put it on there and, 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 and then paint it and make it look like, look like it was like nothing had happened to it, look like it was actually whole, look like it was actually pure. And they would sell it in the marketplace, and you would pay for that, what you would pay for all the other things. And you'd take your vase home so happy, and you would take it, and you'd fill it with the soil, and you'd put your plant in it, and you'd set it outside, and everything's going great until it's a hot day. And on that hot day, all of a sudden, that wax that was acting like glue would start to melt and you would go out to this vase that you just paid all this money for only to find out that what you bought can't stand up to the heat. And I'm telling you, friends, God wants to give you a life that can stand up to the heat. It's called sincerity of life. It's called truth in the inner man, purity of heart, that no matter what I'm walking through, I'm okay because there's purity inside. I'm whole, you see. I'm not pretending God is actually holding me together. I'm not showing you something that's not, you see, I'm without, without wax. Purity of heart is what God's after inside of us. So, so how, do, how do we have purity of heart? Let me give you two things. The first thing is this. Purity of heart comes from you keeping your heart. Proverbs tells us to keep our heart with all diligence. So the word keep, it means, to, it means to preserve, to watch after. It's an action word. It's an activity. It, it, it literally is a, it's a daily thing you are to do, that word keep. It's not like you do it once and it's all good. It's like every day, keep your heart. The, the best illustration I could give you is that for those of you that have, have, I mean, you keep a garden, right? And what do you do if you're going to keep a garden? You're going you're gonna to work that thing all the time. If you don't, there's these things called weeds. And I know because I've had a constant battle in my life with weeds. There's this area in my, in my yard right now um, where I've never been able to grow grass. I'm, I, I kid you not, the last like three years, I, I, I don't even know how it all died, like all the weeds killed it or whatever. And now I, I went in and I ripped it all out, okay? I did this two years ago and I just redid it. I've done it three times now, but something's different this time. I'll tell you what it is. So three years ago, I started this process. I'd wipe it all out, and I'd put some new soil down, and I'd go get some, some new grass seed. I mean, it's grass. Like, it should be easy to grow, right? And so I put the grass down, and, and I get it watered. I get the sprinkler system set on, on the right timer, and everything's going to be good. I'm thinking in two, three weeks, I'm going to have a bunch of grass. The problem is, in the backyard, the problem is that Tate and I are busy, and we're running around all the time. And, and so I'll go, and I'll just leave it. It's on autopilot. We're good. I put the seed in the soil, and that's what you're supposed to do, right? You just put the seed in the soil. But the problem is I show back up three weeks later, and, and there's these things called weeds, and you guys, weeds grow faster than grass. Like the bad stuff grows faster than the good stuff. Why does the bad stuff grow faster than the good stuff? You ever go in your backyard and be like, what in the world? Where'd that tree come from? Oh, that's a weed. And it just sprung up overnight. The bad stuff grows faster than the good stuff. And it's the same in your life. And so 
it would totally wipe out all this new seed I did. I did it again a year ago, and this year when I did it, here's what I did, everybody. I put, first of all, because a dog would get into it, I put a little fence around it so you can't even get into this thing. And every day I go out there and I keep my yard. Every day I go out there and I make sure I water it and I get down and I'm looking. I'm looking. And, and I tell you, I, I kid you not, in the last two weeks, I think I've pulled like 50-something little, little weedlings out of this thing. They're not even weeds yet. They're weedlings. And when I get them, I grab them. And I, I make sure that when I pull them out, I get them by the root. Because I've learned, if you, don't, if you pull a weed and it breaks, you ever had that happen? Like it breaks and the, weed, and the root's still in there? It's tomorrow when you show back up and it's there again. So I'm pulling it out by the root and I'm just going through. And guys, I'm going to have... I'm gonna have my prayer is that by Thanksgiving, when all the family comes over, my yard is just back to normal, that there's some healthy things happening back there because I'm keeping it with all diligence. And Jesus says, it's the same with your heart. Like you can't just let stuff grow inside there without, without you gotta deal with it. You gotta keep it. You gotta watch for it. You gotta pull from it things that don't, don't belong. I, I like the illustration of, of, of a, of a, of a sifter. I've used this before. I'm going to use it again because it's a good illustration. <laughs> but you know those little, like those little sifters you give your kids down at the beach? And they fill them up with sand. And they go, like, oh, I got some shells. Like that's if you're at like a, like a nice beach. <laughs> you go to some beaches and you're like, you get your kid go, a bunch of sand. and oh, Cigarette. Oh, okay, that's great. Pack of cigarettes, right? I mean, a syringe, okay, what in the world is going on? I mean, like, this is like, you can, you, Jesus says, listen, in your life, there needs to be this thing called purity. And for that to happen, you need to keep your heart with all diligence. You need to pull the weeds. You need to let, watch him, watch, let God filter your life through his hands. And if there's anything that doesn't belong, that he has permission to deal with it and to pull it out. He has permission to, to take it from you. And I'm telling you guys, there's some of you in here today that have some things happening inside your heart that you know should not be inside your heart. And would you just let God deal with it today, take it from your heart so that you might experience this purity of heart and the blessing that comes from it that you might see God. And it's for every one of you today. Amen, come on. Like just let him deal with your heart. So we got to take the bad stuff out. That's how you keep your heart. you got to let good stuff in. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's anything virtuous, anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Some of us, in order to keep ourselves in purity of heart, need to change your diet. You need to change your, your, what's your, your intake. Your life is like a big old vacuum, right? You just walk around and just... It's like, where are you plugging that thing in? So you're like, you know, the news. You're like, why am I depressed all the time? I don't know. I can tell you why you're depressed. It's like your, your intake is just junk all the time. How about you shut that off and just get into God's word? But I don't want to know what's happening in the world. How about you just like, like lean into the promises of God and let him start to change your world? Like, friends, I'm just telling you, some of you just need to go on a diet of just the stuff you're allowing into your heart and your mind. You keep your heart with all diligence. Watch over it. So purity of heart comes from you keeping your heart. 
And I want to encourage you, like moving forward from here, you just do that. But here's the other thing and what, what I'm going to close with. Is that purity of heart comes from allowing Jesus, watch, to dwell in your heart. Look what it says in scripture. In Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 16, it says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom all heaven and the family and earth is named. And I ask that out of his riches, out of the riches of his glory, that he might strengthen you with power. Pause with me. Don't read ahead. Oh, you're already reading ahead. But listen. Paul is before the king of kings. He's before God. God can make anything happen. God, he's before the king, and he's praying for you. He's interceding on your behalf. And you're like, come on, Paul, go get me something, Paul. Like, like God can do anything for me, Paul. Can you, can you maybe hook me up with, with more, more resource, Paul, my better financial situation, Paul? Can you hook me up with some, right, like, can I get a new, can I get a better, can I get a, come on, Paul. He's going to listen to you. I mean, you're Paul. Paul gets before the king of kings. He gets before the Lord, and this is what he prays. He says, here's my prayer. It's not for outer things. His prayer is that out of his riches and of his glory, he might strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. His prayer for you is that you would let God do something in your inner being. What's the thing he wants God to do in your inner being? So that Christ might dwell. Someone say dwell. Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. Then, when Christ is dwelling in your heart through faith, then you will be rooted and grounded in love and will have power together with all the saints to comprehend the length and the width, the height, the depth of the love of Christ. Then, when Christ is dwelling in your heart, you will know a love that surpasses knowledge and you will be filled to all the fullness of God. God has a promise for you. It's called the fullness of God. Some of you are walking around with just some of God. I got a fourth. I got a half. Why? Because I've not yet opened everything up to who he is. And therefore I have not yet experienced all of who he is. Why? Because I just have not arrived at this thing called sincerity, purity of heart where I just come before God and let God be God in every part of who I am. That's what sincerity of heart is. Christ dwelling in every part of who you are. I want you to see your house like a home. And in every home, you got some rooms. You've got some cabinets. You got some life happening. You got some thoughts. You got some... And Jesus shows up. And he says, would you let me dwell? Dwell means that he would feel at home in every part of who you are. That you would open up everything to him. You've been trying to hide. You have people come over your house unexpected and, and you don't super want them in. You don't want them to hang out for a long time. So what you do is you, you, you go to the door, you open the door, but you keep the screen shut. Hey, how are you? So glad you came over. And you're going to do some small talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you just kind of say, you need to go away now. Okay, bye-bye. Right? Then you got other people that you're kind of like, oh, I don't mind if we hang a little bit. So you, you open up the screen, but you, get, you got that little tile entryway. And we're just going to hang out there. You're not going to let them go into the living room, right? You're just going to hang out here. I think some of us treat Jesus like that. You see your relationship with God is kind of like, a, oh, time for church. Going to crack the door open. Hey, Jesus. 
How you doing, God? It's good to see you again. But could I keep you just right here behind the, behind the screen? Because, uh, because you know, there's something. Oh, you want to come in further. Okay, well, I, I have this tile area. You're welcome to hang out on the tile. Jesus is like looking over. What's in there? Oh, Jesus, that's a TV room. Let me change the channel real quick. <laughs> oh, Jesus, why do you keep looking at that closet? I mean, oh, oh you want to, you want to come in? Uh, so, Jesus, there's a lot going on in that closet. And um, I don't think, I don't think I could ever be healed of things happening in that closet. God, there's a lot of stuff in that closet I've been trying to deal with for a really long time. And, and I just keep making messes. Some of that stuff, honestly, I, I say I want to move past, but the reality is I kind of, I kind of keep some of that around. It's like a thing that I, I don't know that I can do this, Lord. I, I don't know that I, God just looks at you and goes, just, would you just let Christ dwell in every area? And every excuse you have of why you wouldn't let Christ dwell, like some of you are like, listen, Chris, I've tried, I, I've tried this thing. I've tried to get past this thing, you know, and and I can't, I don't have the strength. Well, scripture says that in your weakness, he is strong, that he could actually give you the strength, but he can't give you the strength until you invite him into the place where you need the strength. You keep acting like you're gonna do it on your own. No, you're not. Stop, stop pretending. Stop pretending you, stop pretending that you're okay. Come on. Some of you are walking around pretending that, that you're, you're telling yourself that you don't have an addiction. Well, then stop. Well, I don't want to. It's called a, an addiction. Like, let him meet you there and help give you the next step from there. But he can't give you the next step from there until you actually let him meet you, that you confess it. You just say, here, here it is. That's what confession is, by the way. It's going through your house and going, and God, by the way, click, click. This, click, click, this. Oh, and by the way, God, I also have a junk drawer. Some of y'all got two junk drawers we do in our house, Tatum's and mine. <laughs> you guys in reality like there's just something so freeing when you become before your loving father and you just realize he already sees it all why are you trying to hide any of it so why don't you just confess it all why don't you just give it all why don't you just surrender it all why don't you just yield it all why don't you just open it all up to him and the promise is this blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. They will see God. It's got a future tense, everybody. You're going to heaven. But it's got a present tense. What does it mean? It means exactly what Paul said in Ephesians. That you begin to be rooted and grounded in a love that is unknowable. You begin to know a love that he says is what surpasses knowledge. In other words... As you open up every part of your life to him and you let him go to the places that you've been trying to keep him from, what you find is when he gets there, you start to see how good he is instead of just hear about how good he is. You start to see his hope, feel his character, walk with him, experience his love in a way that you could not if you keep those places hidden. See, his love, come on, amen, it's like... It's like space, it's like space. And, and space is knowable, but it's also unknowable. 
And the deeper we probe into space, the more we find that there's more to find out about space. And I want you to re reverse engineer that into your life. The more that you open up your life to the love of God, the more that you discover of the love of God. And the more you discover of the love of God, the more you fall in love with God. And when you fall in love with God, you open your life up to the love of God. And what you start to find is that it's a love that is unknowable, that is actually so deep and far beyond what you could imagine, but you get to see more and more glimpses of it in every way. Why? Because I'm just living open. And now I'm starting to see God. Why? Because he works with those who are open, who are not trying to hide. And David prayed this, Lord, search me, try me, know me, see if there's any wicked way in me. And he prayed it on the daily. Just God, here I am. I want to see you in every part of my life. Last verse. 2 Chronicles 69. For the eyes of the Lord went to and fro through the whole earth. Right now in this moment, God's eyes are looking, running to and fro. He sees it all. His eyes are in tune for the whole earth. And what is he wanting to, doing? wanting to do? He's wanting to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are pure, are perfect toward him. Did you hear it? God's going, guess what I want to do? Oh, I want to show up in your life. I want to show myself strong on your behalf. I want to do something in you that once it's done in you, the world around you looks and goes, how'd that happen? He's just like, God... I want to show myself strong on your behalf. Where does it happen? It happens amongst those who are pure. It happens amongst those who break the masks. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Some of you desperately need a touch from God this morning. You need healing in places that... that no one but Jesus can heal. You need freedom from things that no one can give you freedom from other than Jesus. Only Jesus can set you free in those places. But what I wanna ask you to do right now in this moment is to open up your heart to the love and the goodness and the mercy and the grace and the cleansing of Jesus to his strength and you let him meet you in that spot that you break every mask that you found yourself hiding behind and you just confess to him those things that maybe no one else sees or no one else knows and let him bring you freedom, bring you healing today. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Acts says it calls us to repent that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And I'm just telling you today, just open up your heart to him.